Good morning. It is Money Talk. It's James Ross. It's 18 minutes uh, to nine. And uh, it's time now for Carolyn Wright to take a look at interesting moves in local currency bond markets around the Asia Pacific. Uh, good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. In Your Money Today, we're going to take a look at why you might want to know about some interesting moves in markets that we don't often discuss on the show, and that is Indonesian and South Korean local currency bonds. I'm joined now by Riyad Chowdhury, who is Head of Asia Pacific at Market Access. Thanks for coming into the show today, Riyad. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell me what you have been seeing in terms of performance and appetite for these Indonesian and South Korean local currency bonds of late. Sure. Um, they've been doing relatively better vis-a-vis um, uh, -vis some of the other Asian markets. But I think it's important to look at Asia bond markets uh, contextualizing across the broader emerging markets. And what we are seeing, uh, even though these local currency markets as an asset class have not been particularly interesting uh, for end investors because many of these investors have been investing in dollar assets, particularly in the United States. But the performance of these bonds uh, have actually been quite good year to date. So, uh, you know, investors obviously look for yield around the world and uh, Asia is one of those regions where you do have yield. So what we have seen uh, on our system, because we track all these bond flows, is that in Asia, local currency bonds, Indonesia and Korea have been the, the the markets where we've seen the greatest amount of activity and interest. So uh, this is a, a, a trend that I would expect uh, between now and the end of the year as well. Now, is this happening because we're in a, a high rate environment? Obviously, we know that the Fed raised rates yet again in July. We don't know what they're going to do right. in September at the next meeting. So is it because we're in this high rate environment? Actually, the high rate environment, if anything, I would say has um, uh, probably negatively impacted emerging markets in some way. And I say negatively only because when you have U.S. rates that are high, uh, the money flow tends to be out of emerging markets into more developed markets where, you know, there's less perceived risk or l less risk from an investment perspective. And also they're in dollars, so you don't have these local currency um, risk. Um, but I think most investors are kind of in the camp where they're thinking that the U.S. to so the Fed in particular are kind of near the end of their uh, hiking cycle. So once that's the case, they start thinking about, OK, if the Fed stops, what does it mean for the U.S. dollar? What does it mean for U.S. rates? And generally, when the Fed will stop, it means that the dollar should weaken and U.S. rates should come down over time. And at that point, they start to look elsewhere in the world and where could they be interesting. Actually, just recently, and this is relevant to Asia as well, you had the Central Bank of Chile, which is uh, the first major Latin American central bank that just cut rates a few days ago, 100 basis points, more than expected. And there's uh, what we expect is that other Latin American countries, perhaps some countries in Europe, some countries in Asia, will also follow suit. And that will mean more money will come into these asset classes and these regions. Something else that we've been talking about an awful lot is the possibility of a recession in the U.S. Now, I think we're almost getting bored of this being <laughs> forecast and not actually happening. So how much of a, a shadow is that putting on things or not? Yeah, look, it's been a bit of a head scratcher, I think, for most of the investment community because there were these leading indicators, historical leading indicators. One of these things is in what's called an inverted yield curve where you have front-end yields higher than... So when that happens, the, the conventional wisdom is that, you know, it's a predictor of recessions. However, the market and the, in, the, in the economy, particularly in the U.S., 
have proven extremely resilient. Not only there's no sign of recession, in fact, you know, the GDP numbers looking pretty good. Inflation is you know, softening a little bit, not too bad. So in a way, it's actually kind of a good scenario. So I think broadly speaking, the market is probably stepping back a little bit from this recessionary kind of mindset. Um, again, that, that's great for bond markets because if you think that uh, bond yields are high and they're likely to go down, that means bond prices are going to go up and this is a good uh, investment. And we see that based on all the data that we aggregate on our system that we will start to see more people enter the bond markets and more people enter the bond markets in emerging markets and specifically Asia as well. Now, coming closer to home, one of the key factors at the moment around the economy here is China's sluggish recovery. How, how is that affecting things? Uh, it's affecting, I would say, more from a macro perspective than necessarily the bond market. Uh, from the macro perspective, simply because you have China, which is a you know, very, very large economy, the largest in certainly this part of the world. And China has been easing policy where other major central banks have been you know, raising, you know, tightening policy, right? So whenever you, you see that, it, you know, you will see, you know, kind of money flow out of the easing, uh, you know, economies into where, you know, rates are higher. So I think it, there's definitely part of that. Outside of that in Asia, what we see is, you mentioned Indonesia and Korea, it's not necessarily the case that people are, you know, buying these bond markets because they're not invested in China. But there's a broader implication because China obviously is a big trading partner to many other countries in the region. And those do find their ways into bond markets. But... Uh, you know, look, it's a large economy. The, 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 the government there are putting in some measures to kind of, kind of try and prop things up. And you know, in the long run, I think they'll be healthy. But uh, I don't think there's been a huge spillover effect in bond markets and certainly not the data that we see in our system. Now, obviously, you've already highlighted or we've already highlighted Indonesian and South Korean locals currency bonds. Where else are you seeing some interesting opportunities over the next few months or, or maybe things that are bubbling under the radar that people maybe haven't spotted? Sure. Um, India is going to be an exciting market. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about India getting added to a very important local currency bond market. So India is also a high yielding market. So we think that's an exciting market. And outside of that, we still continue to see a lot of activity in, for example, in, in Malaysia on our, on our trading system. We see activity in Singapore dollar bonds in our trading system. So um, I think there's still plenty of opportunity in Asia, and including in China. You know, you, we, we're kind of in this period where investors are kind of what they call underweight, so not as invested in China, and obviously, and for very, very different reasons in the, in the local bond market versus the property sector, for example. But it kind of did get, you know, a bit of a broad stroke. So not all, you know, property sector companies are necessarily bad. So investors are you know, looking for opportunities which are good but might have been ineffective you know, because of contagion. And again, on our system, when we see the liquidity for Chinese bonds, they're still ample. There's people still providing prices. Bonds are trading. So it's a little bit unfair to characterize that you know, everything is doom and gloom. I think it's just a cycle that they're going through and they will recover. Oh, yeah, markets always go in cycles. This is this is how things go. And just one last question. Are there any um, other risks that we should be aware of? Anything else that that you're just keeping a watch on? I would say um, the fact that, you know, you've had these, uh, you know, fairly aggressive central banks raising rates, you know, fairly concentrated period of time. So what that means is, you know, you could have unintended consequences. So I think the risk is that the market sometimes gets, you know, too focused in one area and you might have some other area, you know, some fault lines that are appearing. I suppose the U.S. regional bank crisis that we had earlier with, with SVB and a few others is probably an example. Not too many people talked about it, but then it happened. 
Uh, you had this in the UK where you had some issues with the pension funds and their exposure to bond markets. So I think, you know, there's nothing specific, but I think investment community are kind of attuned to thinking that there could be these fault lines that are appearing because you've had rates going up so quickly. Uh, there could be just unintended consequences. But uh, again, it's probably in the known unknown realm, let's call it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this is always what everybody is trying to get ahead of here with, with what's going on. Thank you so much for joining me today and giving us your insights. That's Riyad Chowdhury, who is head of Asia Pacific at Market Access. Great to be here. Thank you.